Welcome to 20 Minute Takes. Today we'll be speaking with poet and pastor Drew Jackson. He is the author of the book, God Speaks Through Wounds, a book of poetry that is a reflection on the book of Luke. Drew Jackson, we are so honored to have you here and joining us in this conversation. Yeah, it's so good to be here. How do you describe your work to folks who might be new to you? I'm a pastor. I'm a poet. Um, and I often say that I, I write my poetry at the intersection of justice, contemplation, and peacemaking. So where those three things kind of come together is often where I find myself and my work coming out from. Justice contemplation, peacemaking, say more about that intersection. Those three things have been very informative for me in terms of what, where I consider my vocation to be at, the things that get me up in the morning, the things that keep me up at night. And when I think about poetry, you can approach poetry from so many different angles. And I do like in my personal writing, a lot of times I'll, I'll just sort of explore my own inner landscape of things. But so often it's, it's intersecting with those three things that I just, that I just said, because when we talk about some of the the stuff that happens all around us in the world, when we talk about the racial injustice, when we talk about just the deep pain of our world, a lot of times it's, I'm writing not just sort of to comment on things out there, but how they're meeting me internally. And poetry is how I'm processing, making sense of that. And so it often hits that that spot of, okay, this poetry is crying out for something to change. Poetry is just processing the tears of it all, engaging with God in the midst of it somehow, searching for my own self in the midst of it and, and saying, what does God's new world look like? It's, it's imagination. So it's that, that poetry is the place where I imagine with God, I think. Amazing. So it's kind of like uh, dreaming through the poetry as well as also entering into the and processing. And it's yeah. amazing. I mean, as you talk about it, I'm like, of course, like poetry and justice where poetry and anti like that makes sense. But I just feel like, mm-hmm it doesn't seem like there are a lot of poets in these sort of communities. It also seems a little rare to be a poet and a pastor. How does that work? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So I haven't been writing poetry for a long time. I'll put it this way, not in the, in the form and structure that I'm writing in now. But I say that I, I sort of got into poetry through hip hop and I've been, I've been a fan of hip hop for a long time. And I used to write a lot of hip hop, which I think is where I started to get my love for just how words come together and writing them down. But also I think one of the things that, that hip hop did for me and where it comes together with how I engage poetry is that within a lot of hip hop, you find this, it's really prophetic imagination. It is it is this sort of desire to see a new world because all I see around me is the things that need to change, things that are, you know. And so some of my favorite artists are always creating song after song about imagine if this, if the world were like this and writing out of that place. And so I think my poetry sort of has been inspired by a lot of that. And I think that's where my pastoral work sits as well, right? One of the things that the that the Apostle Paul talks about in terms of the 
the space that the church occupies in the world as he says that we stand at the basically the hinge point between the old order that is passing away and the new age to come the church stands at that hinge that hinge point and it's not about resolving the tension it's about having one foot in both worlds and so i think it's like that's that i i write out of that oh, that's well. so it's, i guess the question is not how does poetry and pastor go together the question is why aren't there more poet pastors <laughs> that is that's a good question that is a good question well because i think it's such a part of the the biblical tradition right poetry is such a part of it from all throughout the scriptures you see the writers of scripture are poets in so many different ways the prophets are poets I even said Jesus in his his parables is dancing with poetry, right? There's so there's so much there, and so I, I mean I think that is a good question. Why don't we see that more often? Yeah, and, and I think it also kind of begs the broader question of why don't we see more artists in our church, right, helping us yeah. just generally, yeah. but I mean in specific yeah. poetry. That's amazing. Yeah. You wrote a book. I God did. speaks through wombs. <laughs> Say more about that title. Yeah, so that title actually comes from the title poem of the book, um, which is the second poem in the book. And it is really interacting with the story of Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist. And, you know, see, the thing, the thing with poetry is when I, at least for me, when I write poetry, when I, when I'm writing, I don't often know where it's going to end up. (laughs) Is that right? I don't. It's a mystery journey. Off you go. That's part of the fun for me of writing. So I get, usually I'll have the first line and it just unfolds from there. I just, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Some poets are like, I know where it's going to end. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But that poem and just kind of thinking about the context, what was going on at the time. And really the, the, the whole project is really centered around this idea of wanting to capture the voices of those who who are oppressed and marginalized and saying you know what these are actually the voices that are that the text is from and for first and foremost you know and so with this with this particular poem and the title that came out from it i think it's really just trying to capture that aspect of it and elizabeth being the first person in the text who we see embodying that she has been named barren she's an outcast she is from a marginalized people group all these things that she carries in in herself and um and yet it is she's the one like in the poem i said um it is she who will be the one through whom the covenant is kept right like the god's the god breaks into human history first and foremost through her and through her, through through her womb, and through her story, and uh, and so I think that line is meant to just sort of capture that whole idea that I really think Luke is trying to carry through the whole gospel. Mm. Oh, that's deep. So God speaks through rooms is a book of poetry, and it mm-hmm. covers Luke. Yeah, the first eight chapters. Why? Why poetry? And why the book of Luke? Mm. Why poetry? When I jumped into this, I didn't start. I didn't start off trying to write a book. I didn't, that wasn't, I didn't set out to do that. This was more for me, a process, a project in my own curiosity and imagination. I started writing this book during quarantine. So I needed to process some things for myself. I needed to process the things, just the things that were happening in our world. And I think particularly with everything around just the, the murder of George Floyd and 
Breonna Taylor and just so, so much that was happening. I think processing for me, the reality that as a black man, when I tell my own story of having experienced uh, racial injustice in this world, so often that is met with, you know, no, that didn't really happen or some, someone trying to discredit my own story. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, it's a form of gaslighting, you know, where you're made to believe that you're crazy, you're making stuff up. It's not really that bad. Right. And so, and so I think for me, part of, part of how I even just processed that in my own soul was through poetry and coming to the gospel of Luke and knowing deep in my soul that this text the whole biblical text, but in particular with Luke, right? I often say uh, to to our to our church, right, that Rome didn't write the scriptures, right? Rome did not write the Bible. This text was not written from the center of power, but from those who are on the edges and on the margins. And so, when Luke says in those in in those first four verses of the gospel, he says he's talking to Theophilus, right? And he says, I- "I'm writing these things down so that you have can have confidence in what you're hearing." To me, I, I hear that and i and one in the first poem i end that poem by saying have confidence in what you hear from them right these stories that are coming from the mouths of those who have been disempowered and marginalized have confidence in what you hear from them and so for me that was i was coming to the text to hear you're not crazy you're not you're not alone on this journey right um and so i just started writing out of that and then that sort of morphed into this larger thing where i just kind of kept journeying through the whole gospel of luke and writing one of the things i say in the introduction is that like i i yes i write out of my interest in like theology and the biblical narrative but i'm writing unapologetically as a black man and what i what i mean when i say that is that i am it's too often, so often I've been told that I need to take off that lens when I come to how I read and interpret the text. And I'm just like, there's, there is, there's no plain reading of the text. We all have lenses that we, that we bring to the text that it's not about trying to, trying to remove those lenses. It's about being aware of them, acknowledging, and that once, when we can do that, it actually adds to our collective interpretation of what's happening here and, and how we make sense of things. And so I just wanted to say, I'm going to bring all of that to and give myself the freedom to imagine where this goes, um, to have a holy imagination with the scriptures, to have fun with it and to see where it will lead me. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how I approached it and just started writing out of that. And, and, and so, yeah, I, and I wanted to do that with Luke's gospel. Um, I guess the the one other thing I'll say about that is that the Psalms really inspired me with this because, um, you know, you know, there's a tradition within within um, a Jewish thought, midrashic thought that talks about how the five books of the Psalms are in conversation with the themes of the five books of Torah um, and and how uh, each book is not a direct commentary on its corresponding book of Torah, but it's, it's interacting with the themes. And so I was sitting in book two of the Psalms and thinking about how the themes of Exodus illuminate the poetry of book two. And it just really changes how you hear the Psalms when you, when I'm, when I'm reading in Psalm 42, which starts book two, right? As the deer pants for flowing streams, my soul thirsts for you, for God, for the living God. But in the background of that, I hear the collective voice of the Hebrew people crying out for liberation. That changes how I interact with, with that Psalm, right? 
And so I was like, I asked myself the question, what would it sound like if poetry or if the gospels were to give rise to poetry in our day, what would come out of that? So that, yeah. And so I just was curious to see where it would go. I see. So in the same way that like book two of the Psalms had a conversation with Exodus, your book of poetry in some ways is having a conversation with the book of Luke. Exactly. That's wow. That's profound. You were saying that you with self-awareness bring your perspective and your experiences as a black man. Mm-hmm. What has that opened up as you have looked at the book of Luke? Was there something that you sort of felt like, Oh, I see this differently. Yeah. That really kind of opened yeah. up something for you. Sort of the communal nature of just the text and, and, and what's happening for just the people as they're interacting with this narrative and this story. I think to bring to that my experience of black family and black joy and being around the table or being, you know, being in the church and like all of these different things that sort of informed how, how I read this text. But I think one of the other things is, is the, the pain and the sorrow of, of knowing the experience of injustice and oppression. And particularly like, I remember when I was first, reading through chapter three, Luke chapter three, John the Baptist, his ministry. I remember sort of interacting with Jesus, hearing the news of John's arrest. And it's a very, you know, one verse, you get it. Um, and the narrative keeps moving, but I couldn't keep moving. Oh, wow. Right. I had, there. To, I had to, I had to stay there and one, just say, you know what? Jesus was a, a human being and John is his family. It's his cousin. And so how does he receive the news that his cousin is now incarcerated? Right. But also against the the backdrop and history of what of how the empire has treated his people and that this isn't anything new. This is part of a longer, you know, and so. I I just sort of entering into that moment and just entering into the, the emotions and the pain and the tears that Jesus likely experienced in that space and saying, I know what that's like. I I know what that feels like and, and, and allowing myself to go there, honestly, just be ministered to by Jesus in that space, but to bring my full self to that, where I think that had I not done that, I would have just kept moving, right? This is just part of the plot. This is just part of the narrative, but just allowing my full self to come to that, come to the text in that way and allow God to meet me there. That is, that's amazing. It's an extraordinarily vulnerable thing to do, but Mm -hmm. Drew, thank you. I mean, it's such a gift that you both share your own experience of the text, as well as your art. It it helps all of Mm us process, learn more about God, journey Mm -hmm. on longer. We would love to have you read some of your work. Uh, Would you mind reading one of your poems for us? Absolutely. I can read a poem that came out of the story where Jesus raises the widow's son who has passed away, Luke chapter seven. I'm just sort of entering into that space. What she may have been experiencing in that in that space with the news of her son, but it what it did was it sparked for me thinking about all of the mothers who have lost sons, right? And are standing and, and weeping, weeping over that reality. And so this poem is called Mothers Like Us. These tears stream for all mothers everywhere who know this pain. 
Mamie, Leslie, Samaria, Sabrina, Tressa, Valerie, both of them, Hawa, Kadiatu, Constance, Iris, Larsenia, weeping from the heavens as her boy called for her, and the tens of thousands of others who have known the feeling of being wordless and sunless. These tiny tunnels behind my eyes won't stop their flooding. Like the broken faucet of my bathroom sink, there is no turning this off. My hands are motionless down at my side. Yet somehow, I feel a finger running gently underneath my right eye, collecting my liquid grief while these words reach me. Don't cry. The words heaven speaks to the mothers of earth, mothers like us. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Would you also be willing to read the title poem? And can you tell us a bit about that? Absolutely. Yes. The title poem, God Speaks Through Wombs. And this is from Luke 1, really looking at verses 5 through 25, the, the interaction with Elizabeth, Elizabeth hearing the news that she's going to be giving birth to John and Zechariah not believing, all of, all of that being in this. God Speaks Through Wombs. In the days of empires and puppet regimes, God speaks. Through wombs, rested and discarded because they were unviable. This is what they do. The Romes, the Babylons, the USAs, the men. Toss to the side as detritus what they've deemed unfit to be utilized. But God speaks through wombs, birthing prophetic utterances. The object of public scorn given the power to name the happenings of the Lord. Elizabeth is her name. Say her name. It is she who will be the one through whom the covenant is kept. She, like a priestess, speaks her word while the leading male voices are shut. Enough of this unbelieving religion that masquerades as faith. Divine favor is placed on what we have disgraced. It's powerful. Your poetry is so powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Drew Jackson. Poet, pastor, author of God Speaks Through Wombs. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Twenty Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. Our music was created by Andre Henry, and our show is produced by David Delion. I'm your host, Nikki Toyamasita, and if you want to find out more about our work visit the website at christiansforsocialaction.org.